Hello and welcome to Cloud9Fin, the podcast where we dissect the delightful complexity of the global credit markets and attempt to say somewhat insightful things about what it all means. I'm your host, Will Cager-Smith, and this week I'm dialing up our deputy editor, David Bell, to talk about, um, well, what are we talking about this week, David? Everything, Will. All, all the deals, all at once, everything. <laughs> everything, everywhere. Um, yeah, it has been a fairly busy start to the year, I guess. Um, and this week we're kind of talking about bonds. Bonds are back again. They're back, big time. Everyone's everyone's looking to get back on the, the bond bandwagon at the start of the year. Right, yeah. But not to sound um, too philosophical, maybe in order to talk about bonds, we must first talk about loans. Yeah, we should. A little obtuse, but yeah, we, sh- we should first talk about the loan market. Yeah, I guess I'm being a bit obtuse. But I feel like there's two big stories so far this year in primary leverage finance markets in broad terms. Obviously, there's like many, many deals and scoops and whatnot. But one of those stories is about loans. Yeah, repricings. Yeah, exactly. And the other is about bonds. Exactly. Bond, bonds are coming back for sure. Big time. Big time. Big time. Big time bond bandwagon. Um, okay, so let's deal with loans first then. So it's all about repricing deals in the loan market so far this year. They just keep coming more and more. And I know you've been following this repricing wave very closely, but maybe first you can set the scene for any listeners that are less familiar with corporate credit and explain what a repricing is in the corporate loan market. Sure. So basically lots of companies, typically those with a high ratio of debt compared to earnings, fund their operations and growth by borrowing money in the leveraged loan market. We all know that. They hire an investment bank, that bank connects them with a bunch of investors like mutual funds, CLO managers, and then they borrow money from those investors in the form of a loan with a fixed term, say seven years. They mm-hmm. pay interest on that loan, which is a floating rate, meaning the borrower, uh, the company, pays a certain margin, like say 5% over the secured overnight financing rate, SOFA. SOFA, yeah. SOFA, and, and one of the things about the loan market compared with the bond market is that it's a lot easier with loans to refinance um, and come back to your investors when the company is performing better or if you know generally borrowing rates have come down after you've borrowed the money and say we want to reduce our interest rate right and that's uh you know obviously loans have less call protection than than bonds and another reason that it's easier to do this with loans as opposed to bonds is because they're not registered securities like bonds so fewer disclosures fewer rules around them they're kind of just less i guess there's there's more leeway in the loan market in general yeah um, th- both, that's both right. structurally and, and and legally um okay yeah the, uh, the, prin- the principle is that you know investors generally don't like lending money to a company at, at one rate and then six months later uh, or, you know, a few months later being asked to, you know, agree to a lower interest rate. Yeah, but that is exactly what's happening in the loan market right now, right? Even though that's not what you hope for as a lender, you obviously kind of want a predictable return. Um, that is indeed what is happening in this repricing wave, right? So maybe you can explain why investors would agree to do this. Right, so that's that's the thing. Um, it, it's basically like a, almost like a fear of missing out issue it's a FOMO thing so Mm -hmm. 
when when pricing in the loan market tightens as materially as, as it has, you get these waves of companies coming back to their investors and asking for a low interest rate. Um, and often investors will say, okay, fine. And part of the reason that they will do that um, is because these investors are sitting on a lot of cash that they, they need to invest. And if they don't agree to give their existing borrowers a lower rate, then those borrowers could very easily just go to other investors and ask them to give them a lower rate in a new loan. And then as an investor, you've given up that paper. Right, because the existing loan would then be repaid and the investor would be left with even more cash to put to work because they would have got a redemption. So they'd have to find a new company to lend, company to, lend to and, and that's that's tough, right? This is the, the FOMO factor. Yeah, it's it's that's the FOMO factor I mentioned. Finding new companies to lend to right now is just is just really tough because there has been a drought of new supply in the market. Right, and when we say new supply, we mean when a company raises completely new debt as opposed to refinancing old debt. Although I guess in some ways you could kind of argue that is new supply because the debt is technically being replaced with new debt. Um, but definitely compared to a repricing or an amendment of existing debt where it's not even like a, a new loan. It's just it's just the same money that's being, the terms of which are being renegotiated. Right? Yeah. So M&A has been so muted lately, especially with leverage buyouts, which you know generally are funded in the leveraged loan market. Um, so without that kind of activity, there's there's few places for investors to put this cash to work that they're sitting on. So in this you know in this kind of environment, um, they'd rather agree to a lower interest rate in the deals that they've already invested in, than say no and and have to try and find a way of recycling that cash somewhere else in the market. There's just few other places to do that right now. Mm -hmm. I guess we haven't even mentioned the the impact of private credit on all of this, right? Like the private credit market is taking more and more supply from the kind of conventional leverage loan market, um, whether that's new LBOs or even refinancings of existing broadly syndicated loans. So that's that's another problem on top of that that exacerbates this this kind of supply and demand issue. That we're talking yeah, about. goes back, just um, all goes back to supply and demand at some point. Right, right, right. Yeah, so we, we've covered some of these repricing waves in the past, and I feel like they always eventually run out of steam. It kind of, it, it depends on the dynamics, exactly how long they last, and this one is, is clearly pretty strong. Um, but sooner or later, there generally comes a point where investors just say, enough, no more, like this, this cannot continue, basically. Yeah, it's definitely a story that we've all seen before. I think eventually event investors just start pushing back um, and refusing to do deals and then the wave kind of breaks and loses energy but for now everyone's still surfing the wave there's you know the the fear of missing out factor um, and that's you know having an, a material impact on some new debt financings and it's also changing as, as you mentioned the the dynamic this com competition between investment banks and private credit firms right and I mentioned you know some of the sort of news stories and company specific scoops that we've been working on at the start of the episode and i feel like one of those that we wrote this week that plays into exactly this is the cotivity underwrite like that's a very good example of how this repricing wave and the dynamics in the broader broadly syndicated loan market is impacting that battle between investment banks and private credit right yeah i mean at least from what we were hearing earlier this week that that cotivity deal isn't fully signed up yet but it, it now seems pretty unlikely 
uh, based on the pricing terms that we've heard that, that private credit firms are going to be able to compete at those levels. Right. So this deal, just for the benefit of any of um, any listeners that aren't familiar, this is uh, we're talking about the proposed debt package to fund KKR's bid to acquire a 50% stake in Cotivity, which is a healthcare software company that is currently owned by another private equity firm, Veritas. Yeah, exactly. So th there is an interesting backstory here because last year it seemed like Carlisle was going to do a deal with Cotivity at a significantly high valuation. Um, mm. And then and back then it was set to be funded by private credit firms. But then the deal fell apart because of evaluation mismatch. So that there was this giant $5 billion chunk of new origination supply that just fell away from the direct lending market. And now it looks like KKR is going to do the deal at a lower enterprise valuation. And the financing script is kind of flipped. Banks are in a much stronger position now to, to win the mandate. So they'll underwrite the debt, syndicate it to outside investors like CLO managers or mutual funds. And the reason that they've been able to offer this much tighter pricing is just because there's so much demand from those investors for new paper, which you know is kind of demonstrated by the repricing wave that we were just talking about. Right, yeah. And according to our reporting, a few days ago, KKR actually went back to its potential financing partners for this deal and said, basically, can you please refresh your pitch in terms of pricing? to reflect the recent rally in credit and can you basically tell us exactly how low you can go like what is the lowest the best you can possibly do on pricing and from what we reported earlier this week the banks are prepared to go as low as 325 to 375 basis points over sofa which is at least 100 basis points tighter than the direct lenders are willing to go and that's a material difference even when you take into account the fact that the direct lenders have the kind of flexibility to offer a large payment in kind um, component to that pricing structure. Like it's, uh, you know, it's, it's difficult to argue with the overall economics there for the sponsor. Yeah, I mean, at, at some point, the direct lenders just can't compete on price at the same level as the banks because their cost of capital is just different. Right. So when you, when you have market conditions like this, it can really tip the balance back in favor of the banks very quickly so in you know in the run-up to december everyone was talking about how clo demand was low because clo vehicles were maturing or they were coming to the end of their reinvestment periods and then you know we saw in december two things the fed said it would probably cut interest rates this year 2024 which changed the forward pricing curve and then there was a rush of new CLO transactions coming to the market after a big Opal industry conference at the end of 2023. So now that there's, there's this huge glut of new money in the CLO market that's looking for leveraged loans to invest in, which helps banks drive, you know, tighter pricing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's kind of nuts how fast that changed. And like you said, how quickly the balance can tip back towards banks. And speaking of which brings us full circle as intended from loans back to back to bonds like bonds uh bonds uh bonds are back baby yeah exactly <laughs> we, we got there so i think the loan market was you know very noisy this week because of all these repricings a lot of deals um for people to look at but 
there were also a few borrowers that kind of highlighted how attractive the pricing is right now in fixed rate bonds versus floating rate loans. There was a, a few deals. Um, you saw Hilton Grand Vacations, which manages timeshares. Yogurt maker Chobani. They, 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 call, they call themselves a yogurt platform. I really enjoy that. Yeah. <laughs> Direct TV was, was out there and a debut issue of Global Auto Holdings did a, did a debut mm. bond. Um, they're a holding company for a Canadian auto retailer or Alpha Auto Group, which just acquired Lookers in the UK. And generally, what what those deals are showing, you know, we've been hearing from bankers and investors that overall companies are just seeing much more attractive pricing in the bond market versus loans at the moment. Okay, and what's driving that? So, the loan and the bond markets have both rallied since you know the Fed moves in December, um, which we mentioned. But but basically, the bond market has rallied further. That that market's priced in those rate cuts, whereas I think broader markets and the loan market are a bit more cautious, especially with what we're seeing in the consumer price data this week, which showed inflation was still a little bit higher than expected at the end of last year. And that's kind of cast a few questions over the pace of any rate cuts. So it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. Right now, investors are getting paid a premium to hold loans instead of bonds. But the expectation is this this could narrow. So you know, maybe it's a good time right now for borrowers to be hitting the bond market. Right. And it seems like everyone was watching the Hilton deal in particular to get a sense of how issuers and their bankers would split fundraisers that are kind of tapping both the loan and the bond market. And with that one, they kind of ended up splitting it right down the middle with 900 million of bonds and 900 million of term loans. Yeah, that was that was probably the one to watch um, for that dynamic. It was a good good data point and people were looking looking at that deal because you know there's some hefty syndications coming down the pipeline that might need to balance or you know split split the financing across both markets. Mm-hmm. And there's one in particular that we published on earlier, earlier this week, right? Maybe you can talk about that. Yeah, the big one is a company called UKG, which is an enterprise software firm. And we published a story this week that they are looking to refinance their their capital structure, which could mean over $6 billion of, of paper hitting the market in the next couple of weeks. Mm. So what, what what we're hearing is it'll be at least $2 billion of bonds and, and more than $4 billion term loans. But, you know, that could still change. So let's see. I think all of their existing debt is, is in the loan market right now. So, you know, this is another example of how borrowers are changing up the mix of debt in their cap structures mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um plenty of reasons why they might do that uh for for one thing you know everyone i think now is aware of the clo reinvestment challenges um which have been covered pretty extensively but that's made it difficult more difficult um to raise substantial amounts in the loan market mm-hmm. and it's led some loan heavy names to start printing more bonds right but you know, also it comes down to just the cheaper pricing that we mentioned. Um, it makes it it makes it an easier case to for for more loan only names to, to diversify mm-hmm. their balance sheets. Right, for sure. Okay, well, lots to pan out over the next uh, couple of weeks, and I'm sure um, that the next sort of slug of of primary deals will be very instructive for how things go from here. But um, David, thanks so much for talking talking us through this. Really helpful. Thanks, Will. 
right. Well, that's all we've got time for this week. Thanks for tuning in and happy new year. I guess we're probably reaching our limit on how far into January you can say that. But please don't forget to check in next week with our colleagues in London. And we'll be back again the week after that. So until then, as always, take care.